Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, joined once again by our panel of newbies. Say hello, panel. Hello, panel. Joining me today, it's Greg. Hello, there. Siobhan. Hey, everybody. Samaria. The tide rolls on. And Axel. Hello again. And yeah, today we're discussing episode 206, Eyes Without Pity. This is a kind of a heavy episode. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so so trigger warning, obviously, off the bat. If you've seen the episode, then we're not going to be discussing anything that you haven't already seen. So you you know what's coming. But uh, before we get into that, I want to take a minute and just talk about terminology. There's a lot of heavy stuff here surrounding slavery and, and people being enslaved. And I just want to talk for a minute about the terminology because you will notice I am always going to use the term enslaved to describe a person and not the word slave because slave is a noun describing that person. That is who that person is, but that is a, a term put there by the person who is enslaving that person. That person's identity is not slave. That person's identity is who that person is. Slave is something that is being forced on them. So they are an enslaved person, but their identity is not slave. Yep. And, and to me, that is a very important distinction. Yes. Along those lines, anytime one of the enslaved people in this show does something, I am going to attribute it to the Suldam, the Suldam who is controlling that enslaved person. It is not the enslaved person who is doing it. It is not their fault. It is the Suldam who is who is doing that because the Suldam is the person with the, the power in that situation. Not the will. They have the will. They have the they have agency. Person. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So just just to just wanted to make sure that we got that covered. And uh yeah, well let's just get right into the episode. And it's it's heavy right from the start. We start out in Falm in what we find out are called the kennels. And we see Rena dragging Egwene in by a chain. Um Egwene gets up and tries to punch Rena, as most of us would, and that's when she finds out that anything done to the Soldam is visited upon the Damani twicefold. The person who invented this collar uh, beyond evil. I have a lot of thoughts about the collar, <laughs> but I, I'll wait until a better part of today's episode to get into them. But um, yeah, yeah. Evil, evil's a very, very good word for it. And this is when she also learns that the Adam cannot be removed by the wearer. Anytime she tries to, her hands cramp up and move away from the collar. She just, she can't even get to the collar to touch it, to try to do anything because it just prevents her from doing it. I think it's indicative of how strong Egwene is that the, um, the Soldam says you can't even touch it. But Egwene still manages to get her fingers on it every once in a while. And that's when Rena says she wants to be friends. Hey, there's there's <laughs> no reason we can't be friends, right. right? Yeah, that angered me more than a collar. Right. <laughs> I'm going to be such a friend to you, I'm going to let you keep your name. Because that's... that's what friends do. Yeah, yeah. I was live live watching this live blogging, whatever you call it, when you and your friend watch the same thing at the same time, but from different places. I was like, 
this entire show is probably one of the best ways I've seen slavery depicted in a long time, maybe, maybe ever. Um, like, I don't know, rite of passage, milestone, whatever you want to call it. But like, there's a moment like in every like black American kid's life where you watch Roots. And <laughs> like, that's probably your first like real introduction to it as something that happened that's real that's yours between fantasy and just any kind of slave story slave narration in media over the past few decades like I feel like there's a kind of desensitization that happens and so like I like I can watch 12 years of slave or whatever and it's like oh that sucks that's really hard watching but kind of be removed from it and there was there was something about this episode about how in this specific universe slavery is is like i guess manifested or whatever however depicted where i was like oh this is triggering and i don't really mean triggering in terms of like i was a a mess cuz i really wasn't but kind of unsettled in a way i haven't been in a long time <laughs> It really shows an extended version of the breaking of the will that uh, usually it's a, you know, it, it's a, it, it is a process that the person who is enslaved goes through. And it's usually sort of, sort of glossed over in a lot of things, you know, it's usually a, a thing where this, you know, there, there's a subservient, uh, response just to avoid the the punishment and it's just sort of like passes where it's like yes okay and then as soon as the you know the backs are turned it's but uh yeah this just shows that internal struggle the whole time Egwene is not pretending to acquiesce in order to make things easier for herself she's fighting the entire time so the thing I got out of this this scene more so than the rest of the the interactions between Egwene and Rena, like Egwene's Rena's ongoing abuse, the thing I got that was established right from the very beginning was how Rena does not see herself as the bad guy in this situation. I want to be your friend. There's this there's this yeah. narrative among people who excuse the, the history of, of slavery, who say, oh, well, they were sheltered, they were protected, you know, we made sure they were fed. Some of them were almost like family, you know. And it's almost like she's establishing that narrative right from the, the, the get-go. I am going to be your friend. She pets her as she leaves. <laughs> and like like the level of of, of complete denial of of her role in this is just like <laughs> I, I propose we call this the the florida narrative she, uh, <laughs> yeah like rena treats it like a compliment like i mm. you are demane that's so wonderful but you know you like no one else appreciates you like we've appreciated you and yet that goes hand in hand with like abuse and terror and 
like quite literal dehumanization, like petting her, like you do that with a dog. They call it the kennels. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is this? Um, it's like, oh, Egwene, that's a nice name. I'll let you keep it. Like that, like that's a direct parallel to like pivotal scene in Roots where Kunta Kente is like getting whipped until he accepts, accepts is in air quotes for those who can't see me. Um, like his name is Toby. And, you know, like how you have a generation or two tops in like the story of slavery in North America where you kept you like you retained your language, you kept your names. And then if like by the time your third generation comes along, they're not completely American. And that's very clear, like the fact that African-American vernacular English exists like at all. But like you don't remember your tribes you don't remember the nations you belong to you don't remember languages like you might you have holdovers you know you have watermelon you have the you have the word gourd like things exist but you don't have any idea where they come from anymore and that like like here it is i'll let you keep a gwain uh, thanks <laughs> yeah um, something I want to bring up in, in one of our very first episodes, when I was talking about Robert Jordan, the, the author of all of this, um, Samaria, so you said you were really interested to see what a Southern white male was going to bring to a fantasy series. The Sean Chan in the books, he based them pretty much off of imperialist America and imperialist Japan. Oh, you can tell. Yeah, yeah you can absolutely yeah. tell. and. He also based a lot of things around Charleston, where he grew up and where he lived for most of his life. Uh, see, it's so funny because I was watching this. I was like, if this isn't Charleston or Savannah, I don't know what it could possibly be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just major, major points of the of the slave trade. Like in Charleston, there are several things that show up in the books. Uh, one of them, like at the Citadel, where where he actually worked. Uh, the, the main entrance to the Citadel is a large white tower. So, you know, you can start to see where he gets some of his ideas from. And, you know, in, in downtown Charleston, there is an old slave trading square, which... Charleston is really interesting. I'm so glad you mentioned this because watching this, I was like, oh, it's the whole... It's a slave society versus a society with slaves in which, like, a slave society cannot exist without slavery. Um, versus a society with slaves, which arguably can. Um, and Charleston, like there's nothing in Charleston, literally nothing, like everything from the infrastructure to the buildings, every single building was built by enslaved people. I was watching this and I, I know I mentioned in our, our group chat, I was like, wow, this makes me want to break out my Black history before 1870 notes from undergrad. Um, just completely, like, this was very intentional and meticulous in every single detail where I'm like, this, this is, a, this is a slave society. Like, I don't think they'd be able to function. I don't think this, this society would exist if they didn't have this concept. Like it's completely dependent on it. Like literally their, their army, their entire reason of being, I'm not going to say that in French because my French is terrible, <laughs> is to use enslaved channelers to expand ask the uh the cajun <laughs> how to pronounce french 
Oh man, it's raison d'être. <laughs> no, my French teachers, my French teachers were quite literally Southern, so I speak French very, very strangely. <laughs> you fit right in in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. So our next scene, moving on, trying to find something less heavy to talk about. Um, we are in Teleran Riyadh. And Lanfear is Lanfearing at Rand as hard as she possibly can. This outfit would uh, not be out of place in a goth club. <laughs> no. no <I'm, laughs> Headdress included. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. I'm pretty sure Madeline has that exact outfit. So, <laughs> and, and she tells him that she's the one who's been keeping Ishii at bay these last few months. Um and and she says, I I can see him in you. I can see I can see Luz Theron. You're you're like you used to be. That's actually a really interesting thing. Um like people don't have any recollection of their previous incarnations. But here we have a group of people who have lived long enough that they have seen people reincarnate. Right? And okay, she knows the dragon, because that's an easy one. But you know, is it possible that other that they will, you know, that they will recognize other people that they knew in, you know, the previous go round. Like she's just walking down the street and she's like, "Hey, wait, Drew." Yeah. Is that you? <laughs> yeah. You get. I still hate you for that. <laughs> so she tells him, "Hey, your friends are all gone. Ishamel is is turning them one by one, and Moraine has been lying to you since you started. You're you're just a puppet dancing on her strings and." uh that's when Rand kind of turns a little bit, and he's like, all right, make me trust you. And Lanfear says, okay, yeah, that's that's my lose right there. <sighs> yeah. I saw a bit of a parallel in this scene where she's basically saying you thought it was the noble thing to do to push your friends away, but you've just left them vulnerable. And it kind of mirrors what Moraine's been doing, is like everybody she cares about is like trying to piss them off so they'll leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm Exactly when she's at her most moment. I sense a theme. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit. Little bit. So then we are in Kyrian and Rand wakes up and Moraine is there and she's like, So what's the deal? And Rand's like, Can't tell you. I'm leaving. Sorry. Landfear's condition was I have to get away from you and I'm doing that. Which I think was a really this is a really interesting development, right? Like, because now he is trying to see it what he can learn from her if she can actually help him in some way and of course if her interest is really him then how committed is she to you know the destruction of the world etc cetera, etc cetera? you know is she convertible to yeah she's following lose she's not following the dark one and uh moraine says hey don't trust your ex exes are exes for a reason <laughs> i've been saying that since i was a teen you know, it's <laughs> <That's> good advice. <laughs> and then we get a scene in also in Kyrian of Matt and Min walking through the Fargate Fair. Matt seems to be having a great time, and Min isn't. She's having second thoughts. She's also been seeing seeing Ishi in the in the dream world, so she's yeah. She doesn't have an intention of you know just live in the moment. She can't. She sees the future. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Matt's just in it, just living it up, living his best life. Never seen him happier. <laughs> and then we jump back to Falm, and Elaine and Nynaeve are on each other's last nerve. 
she's getting on my nerves too. <laughs> uh, Basan comes rushing in. That's the the large warder, and uh, tells him he can hear them all the way from the fruit market. You need to shut the hell up. Speaking of last nerves, <laughs> not that, that good at being stealth. <laughs> and uh, Rima, the the Aes Sedai, notices that Nynaeve was a wisdom because of the belt that Nynaeve is wearing. So they start talking teas and tinctures and, and herbs and things like that. Rima is from Tyr. She mentions the herbs. Mm-hmm. That's where Swan is from. Is it not? Yes. Yep. Correct. It is. Um, and they they discuss the fact that Leandrin is Black Aja. There is no Black Aja. Her horrified reaction at that revelation, it reminds me very much of the, the brown Aja when mm-hmm. she figured out that Leandrin was Black Aja. Like, they are just so yeah. shaken up by this. I don't know why. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, is their sense of safety, like, so strong that it's that much out of the realm of possibility? Like, I I don't know why. Like, if... if if it existed once, that means it can again. Your sister sense of sisterhood, maybe. Like you you grew up with these women, you train with them. The existence of a black aja means that members of your family are Right. You know, Working against you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A thing that I think about this is I said I cannot tell a lie. So when they say in the tower there is no Black Aja, they truly believe that. And I think that any sister who does know that the Black Aja exists probably justifies it by saying, if you are Black Aja, then you are not an Aes Sedai. So there is no technical Black Aja within the Aes Sedai. Well, to become an, a Black Aja means breaking your oath. The oaths that can't be broken. Yeah. Right. So if you've broken the oath, if you've broken the oaths that can't be broken, the main thing is, is if the oaths defy are a defining quality of being a member of the Aes Sedai, you break the oaths, you are no longer an Aes Sedai because you've you've left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, tech, yeah. So there are no black Aes Sedai, but there are, let's say, uh, fifth columnists <laughs> within the Aes Sedai. <laughs> And that is what the Black Aja is. It's, you know, again, very much the kind of technical distinguish, distinguishing feature that the Aes Sedai like. And, and I loved how she said, uh, so she broke an oath. And they were like, no, she broke all, all the oaths. Like, she broke oaths <laughs> yeah. we didn't even know existed. <laughs> you, know, you have no idea the kind of things that she did. <laughs> so then we're in North Harbor in Tarvalon, where uh, Lanfear is talking to Leandrin in, in the room where Leandrin's son is. This was a heartbreaking scene. <laughs> It was, yeah. And she asked Leandrin, why are you working for a man? I mean, yeah, he's a forsaken, but he's still a man. I mean, you. Yeah. <laughs> it just means he's a really old man who's even more entrenched in the patriarchy than any other man on the entire planet. He's got 3,000 years worth of entrenchment. Yeah. He's the worst. <laughs> this This whole scene was so fascinating to me because I was like, I don't think evil sailor moon likes men either like (laughs) (laughs) not in the same way leandrin doesn't like men but i think like lawn fear is just like you're useful i want you but that doesn't necessarily mean i like you 
And mm-hmm. like, she's clearly not, yeah. she's not a girl's girl. She doesn't like women either. And it, I don't think it's necessarily because she's a pick me or she's like, oh, I'm not like other girls. I think she sees other women as competition. She has, other, well, she has like only bitch in the room syndrome where like she, <laughs> <laughs> like she, she doesn't like anybody who could possibly like compete with her eat like in reality or just in her own perception and so she has to eliminate them but like she's like oh i'm here to help you leandra and i don't think that's true (laughs) at all the thing that i got out of this scene one the the fact that leandra aligned herself with the dark in order to get eternal life for her son and got eternal life but not eternal strength or intent Eternally, like, so uh, so like he's he's not going to die of old age, but he's going to lie there and suffer. You got to define your terms and conditions, which is just like that horrible horrible monkey's paw <laughs> deal, <laughs> you know. And the other thing is, was a little line that Leandra that uh, Lanfear says to Leandra, and she says, "You swore your oaths to the dark, not to Ishamael." So I'm wondering if that's a little bit of um, forecasting of you know shifting alliances to come. Possibly. Yeah. Foreshadowing, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Ishamael was not around. He was still, you know, trapped when all this happened to mm-hmm. her. You know, that answers the question of whether or not she was, you know, in or through the White Tower before she had her son. So we know that she was like a child bride and... Uh, then went to the White Tower. Uh, I assume that it was probably a thing where she was married off too young against her will and uh, forced to have this child. And she wanted to protect the child. Uh, Meanwhile, you know, the whatever the quote-unquote marriage was, you know, as a child bride kind of fell apart and then she went to the she went to the tower for whatever reason i'd like to get a little more backstory on that but we do find out a lot about where the sun came from and and why she hates men so much is child sexual abuse survivor right yeah it's yeah, a very reasonable reason at this point lanfear does the merciful thing honestly and kills leandrin's son mm-hmm. and She's like you said, she says you swore to the dark and not to Ishi. So uh, we should like chick squad up. Am I right? Come on. The Andrew doesn't try to stop her either. Like no. cries, mourns, but seems to like. I think she knows it's necessary, but she doesn't have the strength to do it herself. Yeah. yeah. By this point, she's got to know right. this is a mercy killing. Also, can yeah. she like it's it's literally a forsaken. I think she knows that. She good, good she point. doesn't have a choice here, one way or yeah. another. Yeah, but she also doesn't try to argue or protest, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah I yeah, both things. She are could true, say, I "Please think. don't," yeah. but she doesn't. She cries, but she lets her do it. And and I think if Leandra if if Leandra hadn't wanted it to happen, she would have fought. Yeah, she's not one who lets anything go easily. Right. So then our next scene, we are back in Falm, and Suroth is entertaining guests of the low blood. And she's boasting Ooh. about the fact that if you look at it from this point of view, I'm richer than Turok, really. 
Because yeah. as far as Damani, I am far richer in Damani than Turok. So, so many fingernails in this room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm looking at the scene now. I'm, I'm watching the scene and even the fingernails, because like you were talking about how the, the hair, how much you have mm-hmm. shaved um, indicates rank. The fingernails aren't as long. Yeah. On the, on the guests. So like there's a there's a, a yardstick that you have to measure against to stay in <laughs> stay in your lane, <laughs> More or less. so to speak. <laughs> and, and also number of fingernails is important too. Ah, okay. Um, like a, a person of very low blood might be able to only grow out their pinky nail, for instance. <laughs> so you're saying yeah, is that a Coke thing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Looking at this crowd, I'd go with yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so that would make a really nice way of judging, like, you play, someone's placed in the social hierarchy. How many long fingers have they got? It's a pretty easy thing to see, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, and her Daca Vale are, are walking around serving refreshments. Uh, Daca Vale, in this case, being loyal in Ingtar. And Daca Vale is... It's a term meaning an enslaved person as well. These are also enslaved people. Yeah, I was like, oh, house and field Negroes. (laughs) These are are the house ones. They're the lucky ones. And then the the money get to be the ones in the the fields. Like, this is really awful. And (laughs) my commentary was like, these people are bold as hell. Like, to... Like to consider channeling something that like takes your personhood away that denotes you as not a person, and then it's like mm, I I don't, I don't know for people who need tools to enslave others if you you guys should be so so mean. I, I don't know if that's a good idea. You're just one tool away from not being in charge. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding right. this yeah. thought because I have so many thoughts about these tools, but I'm gonna wait. Keep going. Here's hoping we have an uprising. Uh, so this is when she forces Loyal to do tree singing as a parlor trick. And Loyal is is pretty affronted by this because tree singing is a very holy thing to his people. And she's like, no, do it for a parlor trick. I want, I want, I want everybody to see. Uh, so he sings. And when he starts singing, all of the low blood are kind of laughing at first. Like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Listen to the funny Ogier sing. And then as the, the effect of, of what he's doing happens and and the tree starts to grow and flex and you notice all of the the low blood kind of becoming enwrapped in what's happening there and Mm -hmm. suroth doesn't like the fact that suddenly all of the attention is on somebody else so that's what she immediately stops him and just says oh ha 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 ha." yeah what i kind of got from that is uh you know an insecurity not so much of the attention but it's like you know, they're, they're sort of respecting the power that, you know, that Loyal has. So she has to distract them to remind everybody who the real, quote unquote, power is in the room. Yeah, I read fear. And this is very typical of enslavers where you both have to recognize the knowledge and the power that the people you're enslaving have and like diminish it like treat it as something frivolous and trivial like you like you like in my country's history like searching out africans to enslave was intentional like 
there was agricultural knowledge, there was, you know, engineering knowledge that Africans, West Africans had that Europeans did not. Like, and we know this because they died in mass every time they settled down into someplace new in North America. And mm. <laughs> like, that actually has a lot to do with the people who went, like, who typically were the first colonizers. They typically weren't the actual, like, working class farmers because the working class farmers were quite happy to stay at home on their working class farms. The people who showed up didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. that, that like, makes it sense. It wasn't that the, the knowledge didn't exist back home. It's the fact that these are a bunch of entitled middle class idiots. Um, and oh, look at them, the history of America ever since. Ba-dum. That makes sense. On both ends, if you're going to denigrate these people at home, why wouldn't you do it to people like so obviously mm -hmm. foreign that you can be like, oh, you're not people at all. And I see that here. Like they they think an ogier singing is like oh haha ha, until and i read very clear fear not just the insecurity not just the jealousy like he is growing trees like just with his voice mm -hmm. they've clear she clearly did not know this or if she did know this she didn't realize exactly <laughs> how like how powerful this could be and she's like oh shit like shut up <laughs> <laughs> because you know i i don't i don't know what to do with this this is this is a threat even if it is it cannot be weaponized it is still a threat yeah mm -hmm. oh it it can definitely be weaponized I'm oh sure. yeah um against against the uh the shan chan or for the shan chan and it's all going to depend on what uh what they're able to do to well and hopefully Hopefully, they won't be able to harness that. So, Suroth goes on to joke about giving Loyal as a gift to High Lord Turok and how, how funny that would be. I'm not sure why it would be so funny, but they all seem to think it would be a grand laugh. Ingtar and Loyal have a conversation now, and Ingtar says he, founds where, he found where the horn and the kennels are. Um, and Loyal says, we need to go get Egwene. She's, she's too river strong. She'll survive. We need to get her out. And Ingtar is far more focused on the horn. He's like, well, no, we need to get right. the horn. The, the, the horn is, is the important thing here. Well, I mean, he's lived his entire life knowing the importance of the horn. Yeah. And, and yeah, if you really think about it, he, part of his entire job was to guard the horn. So the fact yeah. that the horn is in somebody else's hands is going to drive him a little bit crazy. And then we go back to the kennels uh, where Egwene daydreams about beating the holy living shit out of Rena, which I think all of us Fair. were doing at that point. Yes. <laughs> that was a satisfying scene. Yeah. 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 When Egwene actually tries to do it for real, that's when she discovers she can't. She can't even touch the pitcher. As long as she thinks of that pitcher as a weapon, she can't touch it. Which is really torturous because it has the water, <laughs> you know, the thing she kind of needs to survive. Rena tells her, oh, it's so sad that you had to live so long thinking you were a person. Yeah, that line got me. And and that really shows you what the Sean Chan think and how Demane in Sean Chan are found very young. So they are pretty much told from a very young age, you're not a person, you're you're a thing. And so that's just something in their society so she's sad that Egwene had to go for so long thinking she was a person when she really wasn't this uh, when we watched this scene the first time 
it made me wonder about the the closeness of the the term demone to demon if that was something that jordan did on purpose because the idea that these oh. are not it's, it's almost like the the old changeling myth you get a baby and you think it's your kid and then it turns out that it's a fae and you figure that out as they get older and they start acting weird mm -hmm. um which was frankly just a way to label neurospicy people back in the old days. Oh, they're a child of yeah. the Fae. Yeah, but exactly. But that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> <laughs> neurospicy. That's a great Yeah, term. this is what it reminded me of this idea that you it looks like a baby. You raise it thinking it's a child and then it turns out to actually be a demon in a meat suit. And so that excuses whatever you do to it because it's not a person. I had never put all of that together before, but that. I like it. It it sounds good. It, it's wow. And and it's, it kind of blew my mind a little it, bit. And it's a very easy way to dehumanize somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah, you absolutely. say, oh well, it's a demon. It, look at it. It's got demon. Look at the things it can do. <laughs> it's obviously a demon. Rena leaves the room, and she says, "The strongest are always the hardest to break." Which, oh God, that statement. Yeah. Um, and she leaves behind the bracelet and the pitcher, and just leaves the pitcher in the middle of the room just to taunt Egwene with it. It's a, to give her an opportunity to practice. Yeah. Yeah. Right? She's, kind of, <laughs> yeah. she's yeah. trying to help. For very like, broad definitions of practice. <laughs> yeah. Like, the thing is, is like, I can, you know, it, it's possible to believe that she, you know, you know, that she genuinely believes this because if people at Channel aren't people, then it is, you know, like, it's re it is sad that they, that, that, that they have been fooled for their entire childhood, because that means that they grow up wrong, and that it's much harder to fix. Right, the earlier you catch them, the early, the sooner you can, you know, like you can help them to be their true self, which is to say, a pet dog. I was cringing the entire time you were saying that. Oh actually. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's absolutely fucking horrific. But the thing is, is that like, if it, like it's the difference, you know, it's that's what happens when you grow up in a culture like that. When you grow up in a culture, right? You don't think. We don't think. It. Yeah, we normal. I mean, we normalize um, entrenched racism unless we work at it, right? That's the reason that it stays around. Look at how how prisoners um, are still like the last legal place where slavery exists in North America. They do not. Mm -hmm. They they deserve what happens to them, you know. So that um right excuses any atrocity the so they must work for free yeah you broke the law so you're no longer a person you're no no longer part of society you know and that's just as fucked up yeah and and that is normalized yeah it is completely normalized and yeah i don't even know what to say at that point on a lighter note <laughs> <laughs> I got, oh yeah, please. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> for, a, for a slight change of subject, I got a really good look at Rena's um, scars in this mm -hmm. scene, and they look very fresh. And it made me wonder if this is her first demane, if this is a little promotion for her. I mean, she she speaks as if she has experience, but you know, maybe she is. I really, you know. compare Rena in that entire tier to overseers, in which. They are typically, historically, the nastiest people on the plantation. Um, and that's because they themselves almost always come from very, like, 
poor backgrounds. Like you don't become an overseer because you come from a good family or you have any other kind of prospects, even if all your prospect is a little plot of land that your family has had for generations. Like you become an overseer because you are like the 19th century equivalent of trailer trash. And that is all you'll ever be. Yep. Um, and so this is this is your come up. And in that sense, like, because this is the first and possibly the only kind of power and the most power you'll ever have in your life that you've ever had in your life, um, even as a white man in a society that favors white men. Um, yeah, you still don't have those opportunities because you are of the lower class. And that is, unfortunately, that's something that has persisted in the American South. And uh, yeah, I can yeah. definitely relate to what you're saying. Yeah. You, but it's still a very vulnerable position, like both on the plantation and if you ever lose this job. And so you overcorrect, you right. overcompensate to make up for it. Um, and like, I'm like, oh, that's Renna. And so that's like when she said, oh, I'm the nice one, like it makes sense. Like every mm -hmm. time like we pop into the uh, the cells, like they're screaming in the background. It, 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 it makes perfect sense to me and you know when she's like oh you know i just i'm here to help you like okay okay I, it just it was very gnarly to me like it, it jumped out to me instantly oh, yeah. definitely Oof. and now i'm gonna say let's take a break and and talk about puppies for a minute <laughs> yeah. Ooh, like puppies. <laughs> wow, what kind of puppies? Yeah, a little bit Whatever of a palate kind of cleanser like. there. Yeah. Just, yes. I just want everybody to think about lying there in a pile of little puppies, licking your face, <laughs> and bouncing all over you, their little tails going everywhere. And then and then you you cuddle all the puppies and you eat a nice big bowl of ice cream. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> they can't get any better. <laughs> A mental palate cleanser. All right. And now back to the horror. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so our next scene, we are in Kyrian, in, uh, in the Kyrian, Kyrenian countryside, I should say. And uh, Alana stops for the night with, with her two warders in Lan, and it's at an old forsaken temple, which I don't recall there being... Forsaken temples in the book. This is something written for the show. It seems kind of out of place a little bit, but okay, we can we can work with it. I mean that it still was there from you know is that from before the breaking? I, or? I my thought is it came along after the breaking. What what I'm kind of picturing in my head is we saw Maxime with those those forsaken action figures, right? And, and he, oh, that's and he true. was kind of using them like like uh, um anti-patron saints you know you want to force that forsaken away from you so i'm thinking this might might have been something similar to that it was a temple to telling the forsaken to go fuck themselves valid land thinks it's a bit odd place to stop but alana's like oh yeah it's very odd and not not on theme or anything for what we're doing it, no yeah. not at all it could have been like a propitiatory temple like where you worship them in the hopes that by worshiping them leave you the fuck alone uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so they they have a, a nice little conversation about Forsaken. Um, 
And I, I love Maxime through this entire scene. If you notice, Alana yeah. and Yvonne kind of play it off. Okay, Alana's still giving off a little bit of weirdness. But Maxime, he's sitting there making a fire, and he does not break eye contact with Lan the entire time. <laughs> right. <laughs> they do not trust Lan right now. Yeah. And the the, the way they don't trust him is... Uh, Whenever Maxime walks up to Lan as he's trying to leave, and then, you know, here comes the 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 same poem, the blood for blood and blood feeds blood, blood calls blood, blood is blood was and right. blood shall ever be. It's like are are they dark friends? For half a second I was like, Oh my god, they're all dark friends. <laughs> the conspiracy goes all yeah. the way to the top. Right. So like Alana's Black Aja too? No. But then you figure out that they found the poem in his in his writing bag, and so they think right. he is one of Lan Fear's people. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah. and that's when Lan says, uh whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, I fight the dark one. I my my entire life up till now has been going into the into the blight and and fighting the dark like you better step off alana wraps him in air and uh he says look i need to talk to swan and she says well tell us what what's up or we're gonna kill you and uh land spills the beans doesn't really have a lot of choice so of truth yeah he's like well uh so anyway the dragon has been reborn there you go now you know again don't know why everybody seems so surprised by this like <laughs> Were you not yeah. following yeah. the context clues? Well, I mean, not everybody knows the prophecy. The prophecy was pretty much given to Swan and uh, and Moraine, right? Yes. Yeah, they were the only two yeah. present when the prophecy was was given. Yeah. But they have been seeing people claiming that title popping up. So, at the very least, they should be conscious of the. The fact that the dragon reborn is is potentially a thing. All I'm going to say about that is, how many people have we had show up saying they're Jesus? Yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. I'm thinking of it more actually. So they know Maureen has been stilled. Do they not know how or who did it? Because if they do, that's like that's a quick quick jump from oh, Ashamael is awake to the dragon reborn has probably yeah. shown up like i i don't understand how one can be true but not the other <laughs> i don't think they know the the means by which she was stilled, okay. and i don't think that they i i think because stilling is such a traumatic thing to Aes Sedai that they don't talk about it much and if somebody is stilled, you don't go so how did it happen what did it feel like what what, 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 what tell me did you feel it like actually disconnecting or was it you know they're, they're not going to get into that because the person's going to be yeah. My mom would have, but I get your what, point. What was your process? <laughs> yeah. So then we're back in Teleran Riyadh, and Rand is having a, a, a nightmare with Ishi, who's like, I'm killing all of your friends. Woo! He needs a new trick. And then <laughs> Lanfear shows up, and Lanfear is at Ishi and is like, oh, go fuck off. And then tells Rand, see, I told you I was protecting you. I, I do wonder if the fact that she has more control over the dream world means she was actually able to banish him or if that whole thing was staged. I was just going to bring up that very question. 
Do we think that that was yeah. really ishy or was that just land fear fake little, dream ishy? Little little performance piece Maybe it for Rand's was benefit. Yeah. a tag team. Yeah. Like it was a little skit that they drew up together. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They're, they're reading off of their forearm uh-huh. like, oh yes, I will I will destroy all of your friends. Oh no, land fear is here. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> They were yes and <laughs> Didn't Ishmael, though, like in the previous episode, say something about that he knew that Lanfear couldn't be trusted and would likely betray him? I mean, you got to figure the Forsaken are all... I mean, they're Forsaken for a reason. Mm-hmm. They, they know that they're scheming against each other. Yeah, they're, yeah. You know, even if they're working together, they know that they're working at, at cross-purposes. Yeah. They all have their own motives. Like... Even if that was complete, like that, it wouldn't need to be staged. Ishmael would go, "Oh yeah, here's Lanfear being Lanfear." Yeah, you know, is it likely that Ishmael is going to go and try and get into that he wants to get into uh, Land into into Rand's dreams and, you know, convince him to turn to the dark side? Probably. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like that scene in the last the last episode where you know. Uh, Shamael gets right up in Lanfear's face and says, are you going to betray me? And she says, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And then they both start laughing because they're like, you knew I was a scorpion when you left the shore. Right. They're all perfectly aware of who they are. We're both evil. We both know we're both evil. (laughs) It's It's all nice and simple. Everyone's, you know, they're all on the same page. They're all reading from the same... Hymn book, it's just unfortunately that hymn book says, and then we stab each other. <laughs> <laughs> Jay in the chat bringing up uh, Land Fear say, said Ishi in, in that dream sequence. I have to say, I didn't even catch that. Oh, I, I did. It. <laughs> I was like, what did she say? I have been calling him Ishi for so long, for so many years, that I guess when she called him Ishi, it just didn't register mm-hmm. that that was kind of, oh. That's a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What do you know? She shows up and just says, "Is she dear?" Yeah. <laughs> I also I also watch with captions, so yeah, yeah. it helped to help to catch that. Like I said, I, I'm sure I heard it. It just at this point to me, it's so normal that I forgot that it's not an in-world term mm-hmm. that's commonly used. But also, it, it employs it, it says something substantial about her, her perspective of their relationship. Right, she because that, that's very much like that's an infantilizing term. That's disempowering him. That's making it clear she does not see him as the boss. Right? No, she doesn't. Like Moraine, like Moraine said it. You know, oh, Lanfear is the most powerful. So as far as Lanfear is concerned, she's like, you may be the lieutenant, the lieutenant, but I'm not the one. I'm the head bitch in charge. <laughs> so enjoy your little title. So just a, a, a little aside, um, the etymology of, of lieutenant is because it literally meant the person left to act as the tenant when the owner of the farm went away, or the owner of the manor went away, right? And Lou mm. is French for left in the sense of left behind, or, you know, in place of. In okay. place, Right, in place of the tenant. So, right? so lieutenant is the French... <laughs> yes, which again very much ties into the fact that Americans love speak love to speak bad French. That's why oh, you name so many towns after them, like the Trois. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we didn't name our cities; they were left for us. <laughs> right, <laughs> you bought them. I know they. Yeah, they yeah, ran yeah. away because they're French. <laughs> 
come on. <laughs> Some of sometimes the French got sent to this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Acadians are not the same as the French. We'll we'll put it that way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and anyway, enough about uh, Cajuns. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Landfear said, I want you to trust me. And I'll take you to anyone in the dream to, to show you that I am here to help you. And so... Anyone? So they go to Egwene. And Rand is shocked at her state. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. This isn't the White Tower. This isn't novice training. What the fuck? Lanfear pulls him back out of there before they can actually really have a conversation or anything. And he's screaming at her, let tell me where she is. And Lanfear gets upset because... Obviously, he's wanting to know where his girlfriend, more or less, is, mm -hmm. which that girlfriend is not Lanfear, so of course she's upset. Right. But on the other hand, she did allow him to go there. She didn't just create an illusion. Yeah. Right. She didn't try to fake it. I uh, think right. that was her way of carrot dangling. Like, it's, she gave him just mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. To be like, see, you can trust me. What I say is true, but not enough to get, like, for him to get away from her. Like, she's, like, very, like, purposely crafting a way to keep him coming back to her. Because if, like, to need her, if only for another end. Even though she's obviously working to make sure the end is, like, what she wants it to be. I kind of think part of it might have also been she was taking Rand to see Egwene in in that position to be like, look, this is what you're in love with. This person who's chained up in a in a room with no power. Look at how much power I have. Obviously, you, sh you should want to be with me instead. So then we go to the kennels in Falm in real life and Egwene awakes and she hears um, a Damani in the next room. And tries to talk to her, but but the the Damani in the next room has completely drunk the flavor aid. She's she's on just repeating the things that Rena has been saying. She sounds incredibly traumatized. Yeah, that I was like, yes. that's a brainwashing. Uh, like it yeah. didn't sound like something you're repeating because you genuinely believe it. It sounded like something you're repeating repeating because you have to. Yeah, yeah, it's a mantra at that point. It, it's it's repeating it to. To put it in your brain so that it, it doesn't get lost. It's I'm sure Egwene had to do something similar in order to pick up the picture. You know, had to convince herself that it wasn't a weapon. Mm -hmm. Not to jump ahead in the story, but... Yeah, right. Because yeah. we would never do that. No. Especially me. Uh, and then uh, we jump over to uh, Rima, who is telling Nynaeve and Elaine um, to get the fuck out of Dodge. Like, you guys need to leave. This is not a good place for you. Um, and they both say, uh, no, fuck that. Uh, the Tower Puff girls are ride or die. We're, we're here for Egwene. And that's when Rima says, okay, if you're not leaving, then you got to help me. And shows them that they've acquired an Adam. And one of the wrist cuff thingies. The, the Adam itself is the, the collar and the cuff together. Okay. Form in a dog. Okay. In the book, they were actually connected with a chain that that was never taken off. In the show, they have a chain they can attach, but it's not required. 
it's like there's a physical chain and then when the uh the overseer uses the cuff there's a, a chain of of the one power yeah, more so. or less yeah chain of threads i guess um so then we're back in kyrian and moraine is trying and failing to write a write a letter to uh um swan trying to explain what's going on and barthanis comes in and brings her a sandwich now was there an earl of sandwich in this where did they get the name from where did they get the name for sandwich all of this is translated the but possibly, given how primitive the rest of the technology is, how have they invented a sandwich? I mean, that, yeah. up, like, that's like a 19th century thing. Putting two pieces of bread yeah. one on top of each other and fillings in between took, like, that's 5,000 years of civilization. It all led to this moment. Just because a white guy gave it a name at that point doesn't mean it didn't already exist. Fair point. Yeah, but they gave it the same name. They, obviously, he obviously he invented it. You know, in the same way that you know the thing doesn't exist until a white person has found it and named the it. The thing doesn't exist until a white it. person puts a name on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I am Columbusing this snack food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the name of England. Um, I, you know that's really funny oh. because there was one word that was used in the books. Um, he described a a stone screen as being as having arabesques. You know it, mm -hmm. and and I just thought in my head, how can it be arabesque when there are no Arabs in this world? <laughs> But you know, right. you just have to work with the the, the language that we have. I, I I think of it like uh, English is funny. Like Tolkien has said that his versions of the Lord of the Rings are like translations from the original Middle Earth, Elvish, Elvish whatever. Yeah. And so that's why there are words in there that don't exist in their world. It's it's the translations so that we can understand kind of thing. It's, local, is, it's localization is yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah. And you've got to assume yeah. that that's the case yeah. for any like fantasy um, story because they're not going to speak English. Yeah. I mean, like, let's face it. Right. You know, if it's set in, you know, a historical novel, they don't speak modern English. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, I mean, you know, if, if you know, if somebody wrote a book using, you know, like medieval English, we wouldn't understand the fucking writing. It would be, a, it would be horrific. Having read Chaucer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say. There's the Canterbury yeah. Tales, but that's about it. There's, there's a, there's a but lot that's more, because... but yeah. Yeah. Back, back from our sandwich digression here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Moraine is very cold towards Barthanis, and, and he kind of turns around and leaves. You can tell he's hurt. And um, Vieira goes in and goes nuclear on Moraine. She's still very protective of her son. Yeah. And and she drops the dying father guilt on Moraine, saying, Papa was dying, we sent letters, you knew he was dying, and he wanted you, where were you? And, I mean, we know where she was. She was trying to find the Dragon Reborn, which was the most important thing that she could possibly be doing at that point. But that still doesn't... But she can't. She can't tell her little sister. No, yeah. She can't really it's, tell anybody yeah. that. Like, this was a really good conversation, like, just to illustrate the disconnect that happens when you enter the tower and make your way to yeah. becoming an Aes Sedai. Like, there's just a life that an Aes Sedai has that is 
cannot be comprehended by literally anyone else but each other. And it goes both ways. Like, Moraine can't really understand what it's like to be on the outside anymore, just as much as her sister can't understand why Moraine couldn't and wouldn't show up. Like, even if Moraine hadn't been searching for the Dragon Reborn, hadn't had, like, a mission, like, of such importance like that, I don't know if Moraine or really any other Aes Sedai would have shown up like i think elaine's an outlier in which she probably won't ever become an Aes Sedai. like she needs the training obviously but she won't ever be officially inducted because she is an heir like an heir to a, a country not just like an heir to a house the way maureen is like i right that's gonna be like a real political thing if and when that that yeah comes up. well i mean I would think that the tower would want her to be a full Aes Sedai before she goes to be queen. Because if if the queen of another country is an Aes Sedai, yeah, it's kind of like a free country for the tower. But I, I could see that I could see that causing a kind of strategic. I could see that causing a constitutional crisis in said country where all the important people in the country don't want their queen to owe allegiance to somebody else. <laughs> a Henry VIII situation. Yeah, yeah, kind of like when Kennedy was running. It's like, is Kennedy going to be uh, going to have allegiance to the Constitution or to the Pope? Mm-hmm. You know, Moraine says to her, "Look, I'm the heir. You're both here at my grace. So this is my house. Yeah, this I knew, is my I, house, and you can go fuck yourself." I knew this conversation was going to play out like that. I like <laughs> predicted that mm-hmm. Anvir yeah. was going to be like, "Get the fuck out my house." And I knew Moraine was going to be like, ha ha, reverse Uno. Like, Who's house? No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw it coming. Don't, too soon, too soon, too soon to bring it up. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, oh, my bad. Oh, yeah. No, no, we need a reverse Uno card. We need to reverse that. Let's, let's yeah. Please, please, yes. Um, <laughs> and, and that's when Anvera goes scorched earth and just says, there's none of our father in you. You are completely like mother. There's a history there. <laughs> and, and Moraine has to go find some burn ointment after that. I found oh, that boy. interesting because Anvir yeah. herself said that like both of them are like their mom and neither one of them are like their dad. And so I'm like, yeah, huh. <laughs> but I guess that that's how she knows it probably be the best insult ever. Yeah, <laughs> this would oh, cut yeah. me to the bone. So I'm going to use it on her. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It seems to empower Moraine knowing that, okay, she she really can't stay at home. Uh, that seems to empower her to complete the letter to Swan. Mm, yeah, good point. Uh, so then we are on the road to Kyrian, and we're with Swan. I was so happy to see this scene because I'm like, oh, Samaria's going to be in this week's podcast. <laughs> um, I Oh, gosh, guys, <laughs> I paused like I screamed and then ran like up and down my hallway <laughs> excitement, and i couldn't and since i watch it on thursdays i couldn't even like post the kool-aid man in our chat because i didn't want to give it away (laughs) (laughs) you know oh yeah yeah. (laughs) i couldn't even say yeah i'm definitely gonna be there saturday because i feel like that would have been like oh well, we all know why Samari is a done Spoilers, deal. Yeah. 
we see Swan. She's sitting in the back of of her carriage, and you hear some some commotion happening outside. And Swan forms a halo of of air daggers. Awesome! Around that head. was so cool. It was pretty, <laughs> yeah. and it was just oh, so yeah. creative. I love how creative people get with yeah. the source. Also, the budget that allows for this just amazing. And that's when she opens the door, and we see it's Lan, and he's bringing her very important news and we know exactly what that news is yeah and i love how the daggers kind of follow her her head it's yeah. like as she turns to the door they go from out to in yeah you know <laughs> she's literally ready to stare daggers at whoever opens that door i mean i thought it was the white cloaks for a hot second so i was like you yeah, gotta, yeah. You gotta keep a jump on them. <laughs> oh god imagine if the white cloaks caught the amarlin yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be in for a fight. Oh, but a little bit, yeah. That's, I think, the kind of level that I doubt they would do because that would be all out worn, no holds barred. Because the other Aes Sedai would probably then ha- it's You're not just taking down a sister, you're taking on the White Tower, and that means all yeah. the Aes Sedai. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't they, walk they away have... from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because even though the nice thing that they've done for the next head of the Aes Sedai is made the new head of the Aes Sedai, the head of the Aes Sedai, they've also demonstrated that they can take that away. And so you got to go down on that shit. And, and I would kind of imagine, like, all the Aes Sedai in one place pointing at an enemy are going to destroy it. If They just need to get their thumbs out of their butts and kind of go over there and deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, the yelp. That would settle the White Cloak problem, I think, for, for a considerable amount of time. I mean, because the White Cloaks are out there and they keep killing, you know, individual Aes Sedai. So, mm-hmm. you know, you go out, you take 200 out to their, to their capital and burn it to the ground. Huh? You know, and, and we will come back and destroy your next cathedral unless you stay, lay the fuck off us. So then we are in Kyrian at the asylum and we see Loghain playing stones against himself. I don't know if he's winning or losing, but he's, he's both. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah. like. In the same way that everybody probably has a superpower, but it's so low level, we don't notice. I think everybody also is like nerfed by something. <laughs> and this is his. He can't gamble. This, like that's just it's it's going to work against him his whole life, no matter what. Are you talking Logan or Matt? Oh shoot. I'm getting my white boys mixed up. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> <Carry> <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, we all look alike. <laughs> that explains David and me. Yeah. But the creep, I knew you guys perfectly by voice. It was, but if I saw you, I would. I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Siobhan, oh no. But we broke Siobhan. Yeah, we broke Siobhan. Oh, yeah. Siobhan, breathe. 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 <laughs> Fuck me. So, yeah, this, this scene with Loghain playing stones, I appreciated it just because it's, it's a nod to the books. In the books, stones is like a common game that a lot of people play. 
Um, it's it's just it the game looks a lot like it, yeah. It's just the game yeah. go is all it is. It it's kind of like if you go into a pub or something, there's always going to be a stones board there. And uh, Rand shows up and he wants to know Logan's weaves, and Logan is like, "Hey, I worked these things out for myself. Why should I just give them to you?" And Rand says, "Well, you know, the only way you can really make a difference now is by training me, because you can't do it anymore." And uh, point. Yeah. <laughs> And that's when Loghain says, okay, grab the power. And oh boy, does Rand grab the power. Oh yeah. yeah. And and he's saying, grab it, take it, it's yours. You 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 have to seize control. Don't let it control you. You seize control to, of it. Like, take it, it's yours. Wait, no, no, wait, not that much. No, no, wait, uh, hold on, Put hold on, turn it down, back. turn it down. No, wait, Where, where's the emergency stop button on this one? <laughs> there isn't one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, is Loghain? alive like because genuine question did did ran accidentally kill Logan? <laughs> that would be bad <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoopsie. i i i don't think so but yeah i noticed from that scene that when we saw Logan channel it was black and white mixed mostly black but with like white threads this is mostly white with black threads so i'm wondering if that's the mix of male and female or you're starting to see the corruption i think it's the early corruption that's how i'm interpreting it like it starts out pretty fresh and then the same way like the madness creeps on you the corruption creeps and like i'm assuming our next scene we see rand walking through town after leaving Logan, and and he hears a familiar voice and it it turns out it's mad. When I heard the term hard eight, that was another little anachronism. That's yeah. like, wait, there's a Vegas there too? What happens in Kyrian stays in Kyrian. And they kind of fall into each other's arms. And you can tell that Matt is so happy to see he one of his friends again. legitimate tears in his eyes. He's glowing. I think this is the happiest we've ever seen him. And that's when Matt says, hey, where is everybody else? Let's, let's go have a chat. You're buying. Yeah. Just which is a good way to see that it is definitely him and not somebody in disguise. Yeah. Or somebody <laughs> yes, that's a good point. Yes. You know? yes. Right. He looks a little different, but uh, yeah, it's still that's him. That's obviously him, yeah. <laughs> uh, still a cheapskate. I, I don't know if a cheapskate so much as lost all his money yet again. Incapable of holding on to money ever. A perpetual ne'er-do-well. Y- y- there you go. That's the one. Uh, so then we jump back to Falm, and uh, we see Rima, Nynaeve, and Elaine testing at the Adam. And uh, Rima tells the story of how she got it. And that story is two sisters and their warders died, and a third sister, who was a blue sitter, was collared. I immediately wondered if it was... My gun. Yeah, my game. Same. Because she was very like insistent you stay let somebody else go and i was like "Uh oh so then we jump to the kennels and Egwene is still fighting against it and that's when rena tells her it was an ice Sedai who actually created the adam which that's messed up yeah i mean whether it's true or not it's it's a messed up concept black aja you know it yeah it could be black aja or it's just a lie to try to break her of her lo- any loyalty to the tower. Or it could be uh, a black, or it could have been uh, one who was being tortured and unwilling, but uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, didn't want to die. 
because they're not allowed the oaths say that they are not allowed to make a weapon that can be used against another person out of the source so mm -hmm. does this count as a weapon if it's a method of control i think that that's going to depend on how the person themselves thinks of it yeah i ability to work with the oaths depends on their personal interpretation of said oath as long as they right. believe yeah, what they're I mean, saying is true they can say it whether or not it is true i was wondering i was like is this was this a way to gentle or still someone once upon a time oh, right like and oh, okay. <laughs> this is connected to like a lot of the speculation i was like running through my mind last night where like a lot of the trongreels like they don't know what they're for the sanchan are assuming that this this thing this piece is meant exactly for how they're using it that does not mean they do know that they know what it's for they know what it is where it comes from why it exists etc cetera, etc cetera. and so like if yeah. it's That's true that point. an Aes Sedai created this what like that does not necessarily mean that it was created to enslave others like for all we know they could have right. slapped these things on male channelers like once upon a time like mm -hmm. and that was the easiest way to like gentle them until they figured out how to just cut them off entirely yeah that was my the first place my mind went when you suggested that it may have had other other it may have originally been intended for other uses maybe this was their way of controlling male channelers so that they couldn't cause harm now the fact that it's a terangriol though the fact that it's that it's a terangriol it's a word <laughs> terangriol yeah terangriol thank you um, so these, I'll go into a little history right now on Angrial. The source of the word Angrial is Sangrial, which was the term for the Holy Grail. Um, and so you cut off the S and you got Angrial, and then you've got the Sangrial and the Turangrial. So that is the origin of the, of the word Angrial in this world is Robert Jordan took it from the Holy Grail. So okay. if you think Sangrial, then you can probably get it right. So sangria was served. In it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, aren't the Tarangrials from the previous age or from a previous age for the most part, you know, because they can't be created. As far as, so, as far as we know, all Tarangrial that currently exist originate from the Age of Legends. Okay. So if that's the case, were there Aes Sedai in the Age of Legends? Yes, I mean there were Aes Sedai well, there in the were Age of Legends. Channelers. I don't think the White Tower had been built yet, right? Uh, th there right. were Aes Sedai. They they were called Aes Sedai. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Because remember the last the last um, dragon was buddied up like it was because he had the oh, Aes Sedai yeah, and he yeah, had yeah. the yeah. other name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah, the, I well, there was the Amerlin and the Tamerlin. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So yes. All right. The the Aes Sedai now have have very little in common with the Aes Sedai then, but they, the name carries through. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Which is kind of what you'd expect after 3,000 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. Were the Aes Sedai in the former age able to create Tongreals? Yes. Yes. That, that is where okay. all the Tongreal that we know of come from, is the Aes Sedai oh, okay. created them so, in the Age of Legends. Allegedly. 
I mean, they may be the people, maybe the Aes Sedai in the Age of Legends said they've been here forever and they were created by the proto Sedai back in the Age <laughs> of Myths. That and, and it turns out they've actually been there forever. Well, they came from. Who knows? Uh, they're alien. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> so all the Tarongri all came from Krypton? Is that what yes. I'm hearing? Okay. Yes. All right. Rena then takes Egwene and, and says, hey, let's let's go look at your tree. I know you enjoy looking at your tree out your window. Let's go look at your tree and feel some peace. And uh, why don't you go ahead and channel into that tree a little bit? And why don't you just burn that goddamn tree down? Because I know it causes you, it gives you comfort. So kill it. So let's burn it down. <laughs> yeah. And, and the whole time she's saying, can't you feel us complete now? Can't you feel our affinity? Can't you feel this is our power to share? Yeah, I didn't like that. But it did raise mm -hmm. questions where I was like, are you a channel or two? Where like, so we see. I wondered about that. Yeah, I'm, like I genuinely can't figure this out. Like, I guess it could go either way in my mind. But I was like, as far as we know, us the show watchers only like set like there's like the only people who can control the one power are channelers and so like i okay so maybe you don't have to be a channeler to control tangriol right the brace the adam but if like i don't understand how you can siphon someone's power if you can like control them be connected if you're not a channeler themselves and then i was like well if the, if they are channelers is this like a promotion if you're such a good demone do you get to become like an overseer i don't know <laughs> but like i was it i was i had question marks i don't think so because the overseers are human i think like the i, I can understand the logic behind wanting to control channelers because if you're not a channeler they can do fucking anything. You know, they can do mind control, which is, in you know, so you, and you find a way that you can have the power over them. It's a really good idea, you know, if you don't, you know, if you want to actually be in charge and then you turn, then you, you know, then you socialize it and turn it into a thing that everyone understands. But yeah, you're never going to, you're never going to want to have um, a channeler in charge of channelers because, who what you know? Who channels the chat? Who controls the chat? Who watches the Watchmen? Kind of a thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like she's kind of. I, I I think a lot of that is you know the our power thing. It's like okay, I am controlling you. That's like you know somebody that owns like a bulldozer. It's like I can tear down a building mm -hmm. in one day. It's like no, you can't. Your bulldozer can, but you control the bulldozer. Yes. So, it's like you couldn't do it with your hands but you have the tool i just have to say i am absolutely loving this dis discussion that's happening right now I, I did not expect that discussion to happen but oh wow that is a fascinating discussion yeah like it genuinely was <laughs> the first thing i was like how does this work like i had it i switched over from like my academic mind to like my little my inner scientist which i guess those could be the same thing but they're not always where i was just like how does this work exactly um like you okay okay so you're connected you're affinity you have some sort of affinity my friend watching this with me was like is this some sort of like modified like i said i waters bond like we were <laughs> genuinely like oh. really trying Ooh, to yeah, have this out. Uh, okay no 
No, I don't. I don't see it as the I said a water bond. A water bond. It is you know the the overseer to the enslaved person because it's like yeah we're connected by the chain that is around my neck to the one in your hand. But maybe a corruption you know, that's of that the connection. That bond, like if you can create a bond between two humans that allows them to share feelings and experiences, can you, can the caller then, you know, create a, a fake version of that that gives you a little endorphin rush when you use magic together? Oh, yeah. Know? Yeah, probably. It, it, it's probably, it's probably that, but it's not from channeling. It's from the, the, the Adam. Yeah. That's what's doing it. So, you know, the person who has the Adam uh, bracelet, you know, is not necessarily as in control as they think they are, but they're getting something from it. And the control is all one way, whereas a that we know murder feels what an ICI is going through with the collar. Yeah. It's like the, the, that source to source kind of yeah. thing, you know, but this is through a through a medium. Yeah. So I mean, well, this is like it's essentially, you know, it's like it is an item that has the, some of the one power infused into it. Right. It's it's yes. like um, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a magic machine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so presumably the Shan Chen are able to make these things. Because otherwise their expansion is going to be very limited. Yeah, right? like they're acting like they have an endless supply. So either they yeah. have a very large finite supply or they're making them. One of the two is true. And it looks like they're made out of like copper or bronze. So, I mean, like they, again, would they, you know, corrode, wear out? You know, because metal does that over time. And, you know, if it was built in the Age of Legends, that's 3,000 years. It ain't, you know, it'd be falling apart. But it's magic metal. It's magic yeah. metal. Remember, there are mm-hmm. things in this world such as power rot blades that never yeah, dull, true. and and things like that. So, it, and Quindy yeah. are that does that cannot be destroyed except that it's always destroyed. Always destroyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We've only seen broken Quindy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, you know, the idea that it could ex- it live for three thousand years yeah. does make That's sense. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It, it is yeah. possible. Um, yeah, unbreakable oaths that get broken, unbreakable things that get broken. Sensing a theme. Yeah. yeah. Maybe things aren't as concrete as we think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and like the whole thing with the Adam, with the brace, where, because I was thinking, I was like, these people are awfully bold. <laughs> like just this entire society to like, en- like enslave channelers and like they slap these things on to a capture channeler or I guess one they were fortunate i use this sarcastically enough to raise where they're assuming okay you're collared now and that you know now you have to use your power in this very specific way and like this goes back to what siobhan just said (laughs) about like now now this is what you are we know what this collar is for but i like, and I was thinking, I was like, oh, how's Egwene going to get out of this one? And my friend was like, you know, I hope she finds a way to get herself out of it. Like, just like, is there a way for this caller to be turned against the overseer? You know, like the overseer is clearly thinking like this is a one way street. But 
we don't know actually if it is. They're just assuming it is. Like they, it's, if it's a tarongrel, they don't really know the nature of it. And I was like, mm, is it they're like they're they feel safe because no one has used it against them. No one has broken out. But that doesn't mean that it's not possible. Like improbable is not impossible. <laughs> And see, I learned something in math class. I wasn't daydreaming the whole time. And I I was like, mm, like they make a point. Oh, Egwene, you're, you know, you're the strongest we've ever had. You're the strongest we've seen in millennia, like in this age. Like we haven't like this is exciting. And I'm like, mm, so you guys have had, you know, lifetimes worth of time to assume that this is a done deal. So like the arches, we see people able to do things because they have more power than. And like we already know, Egwene doesn't channel in any typical way. She doesn't use her hands. And so it's like, "Mm, okay, well, I I will wait and see. Like I like if there's a way to like turn this against them, there has there has to be. Interesting. I like it. When Elaine and Nynaeve were examining the uh, the Adam they were like it's like the arches it's like okay I kind of have an idea what may be happening here in episode the eight. fact that Egwene can touch it like I'm glad Siobhan mentioned that because mm, mm-hmm. okay she's not supposed to be able awfully to cozy and yet <laughs> yeah and I think yeah narratively it would, be, it would be really good for her to escape rather than be rescued yeah we said yeah. the same thing yeah, yeah. yeah. right. So then uh, we move on and we see Nynaeve uh, talking to Elaine and Nynaeve is saying, you need to leave. You are the daughter heir. You, you know, you're a very important person. You need to leave. I can stay here and and try to save Egwene. And Elaine is like, that is my first friend and only friend and best friend. And I'm going to be the best, best friend I can be to my first and only friend. It's not, it's not, she's not approaching it from that direction. It's the other direction. Like, she, this is the first time that she's had anyone that she could connect to in that way, and so she ain't going to leave her behind because she may never have that experience again. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, Nynaeve doesn't get to be her only best friend. Egwene's so cool, she can right. have many... Everybody loves her. She has all the best friends. Yep. She's everybody's best friend. Oh, she's the best friend to everybody that, you know, all the five that came mm-hmm. from... Uh, exactly. The, the two right. I think that's Axel's answer to our final question from the last episode, which was, what sitcom do you want to see? Apparently, it's everyone loves Egwene. That works. (laughs) How can you not? And so they should. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. She's the heart of the group, for sure. Yeah. So then we're back in Kyrian, and uh, Rand and Matt are sitting down having a tankard together, and uh, Rand tells Matt that the rest all think that he's dead. Matt sees it clearly in a way that Rand doesn't. It just says, I think they'd be better if you didn't push them out. We're, we're stronger together, not not when you push us away. Mm-hmm. Ultron theory yeah. lives. And uh, that's when Rand says something about pots and kettles and Matt leaving all of his friends behind and yeah whenever they whenever people act self-sacrificing they fuck up the storyline <laughs> mm-hmm. so there's, there's two important takeaways here first of all um this is more proof of the importance of binky because this is a my little pony story <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I did not realize you were a brony. <laughs> my friend, you contain my I've just, uh, I've, just heard, I've just heard stuff <laughs> from listening to the, uh, the Kill James Bond podcast. Um, there you go. Okay. And secondly, uh, Matt knows he's a fuck up. So, of course, he's going to fuck up. Rand is supposed to be the not the fuck up. So, if anything, Matt is just upset at Rand for doing his job for him. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's my shtick. Yeah. yeah, you're supposed to be the one that I can look to to go, oh, that's what I should have done. I shouldn't have abandoned everybody by staying behind. But now you abandon everybody by staying behind and going off over there. So, maybe it wasn't the fuck. I'm confused. My world is now in my pain and suffering. I yes. don't know what to do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so rand agrees he's like yeah let's let's get together and let's go to Falm and save our friends and matt's like yeah let's do that i'll meet in an hour i gotta go break min's heart first i'll, I'll be back and it seems like he was all in he was yeah, all he in. was all in yeah until he speaks to Min. Yeah. yeah and that's our next scene matt finds min and she's she's a few sheets to the wind at this point that's when matt says hey i ran into my friend rand and and i'm gonna go and we're gonna have fun and there's gonna be an adventure and woo and min says uh you know you kill him right in the place you're going to min is a good person she gave up her her chance to get rid of this this thing that she hates because she can't let him do this horrible thing yeah. Matt kind of figures out that she's a plant at this point. He's like, wait a minute. You've been working. When did you start working against me? Were you working against me on, on the road? Wait, wait a minute. You were planted in that cell next to me, weren't you? This, this scene. So he, he leaves Rand saying, I've got to go break a lady's heart. And instead she breaks his. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. He's so hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And because of this discussion, Matt doesn't show up at, when he said he was going to meet Rand and he, he kind of watches from the shadows until and make sure that Rand leaves without him. Rand finally decides to leave. And as he's walking off, uh, Lan, Alana and, and her warders all kind of show up and say, Hey there, sheepherder, where do you think you're going? And I was like, damn, it's a party. Um, I'm like, for God's <laughs> sake, sit down and have a conversation. Do not get into a fucking fight. I know that's how you people roll, but for <laughs> fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> you people. <laughs> that should be flying the two rivers, but not here, man. Uh, what you know what's going to happen is there's going to be a punch up. But it's like, yeah, you you have this whole thing that has been happening through this entire season where people split up and say, no, no, I will make the big sacrifice and go off and deal with this on my own. And things never end well when they do that. They need to get together and formulate a fucking plan. Rand knows that Ishamael is dragging him to Falm for his own reasons. He even says so to Matt. I know this is a setup, but if I don't go, what will happen to Egwene? There you go. Now you have people who can potentially help you. Use that. Don't be an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> This is me yelling at the screen every time. <laughs> <laughs> going, use your head. No, act like you've got some home training, Siobhan. <laughs> <Right. laughs> well, Matt doesn't really. So, no. Yeah. He's a little feral. So then we see uh, Moraine. She's apologizing to Barthanis the next morning. Um, and she tells him, no, you, you were, you're quite a grand sandwich artist. I, I think you would pass Subway University yes. with flying litter. <laughs> Get to go to Jimmy John's with those skills. You know, I have to say, I, I really like Barthanis. 
He's a sweetie. Yeah, he's he's the most genuine sweet person in the entire show. No ulterior motives. Like I can see why Anvir is so protective of him. I'm just, I mean, he's her only child, so obviously, but like he's so good (laughs) that you like, and he's clearly not gonna like fight for himself and so it's like okay someone someone has to look out for you like because you're not gonna watch your own six yeah you're too pure for this world and uh that's when Anvier comes into the room and says hey the Amaralyn's in town and she wants to see you with 14 I said I shit's real now that's quite the entrance. That, that number, <laughs> that seems significant. And if you divide 14 by two, you get seven. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. it's two of each Aja mm-hmm. came along with her. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, why not? Why not three? I, that, that's what I was questioning. Like, I knew the number. I was like, okay. But two is a weird number when you have to leave three. one sitter at home, maybe? Well, it's not necessarily the sitters that came with her. It's uh, just representatives. I would enough. say that the sitters probably stayed back in Tarvalon because they still have, you know, they still have to vote through the, the spending bill or else the, the government's going to shut down next month. Yeah, so true. They, can. they have to be the left. And Leandrin's there. And we know she's but, not a sitter. Yeah, but and Leandrin is there along with two other reds. So Leandrin just decided to come along anyway. As usual, so she wasn't she's invited. No, she was invited. She's just showing up because she's Leandrin and she get and she does what she wants. She was like, "Well, I'm in the. I was in the area, guys." And she gets right up in Swan's face too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she gets up in Swan's face and says, "So why are we here?" Yeah. And Swan tells her to mind her own damn business. <laughs> Love that. So then we go back to Falm, uh, Rima and Nynaeve and. And Elaine, I, I put it in my notes as EFT, and I had to remember what that stood for. And then I remember, oh, right, Elaine fucking Trikand. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Rima and Elaine and Nynaeve are messing with the Adam, and uh, they're trying to get Nynaeve to, to add a little bit. And Nynaeve doesn't know how to add just a little bit. She does nothing in half measures. Sets off all the alarms. So... Just a point there, so you've got three channelers, right, trying to do something really subtle that won't get noticed. And one of them just happens to be completely incapable of not doing that, and so they get really noticed. Does that remind you all of another podcast? Good Omens? I was about to say, are we talking about the scene where they, like, spark up the whole planet with their mm-hmm. miracles? Yep. And all the alarms start going <laughs> off in heaven. <laughs> yep. This does give Nynaeve a little insight and she says oh we have to heal it in order to take it off whatever however that might work it it needs to be complete and it's not complete until it's on somebody yeah that's what that's actually the line that gave me the idea that oh maybe this was like a gentling thing the fact that it means to be on a woman means that it couldn't have it's unlikely to be intended to be used for channeling because that's putting it on a man so it would be perpetually broken Although maybe if it's in that state, but it can feel that there's some source, it would constantly yoink that away or work differently on a man. And does that mean that they have a different one for men or do they just kill men if they start channeling? I think they do. Maybe it doesn't work on men because it senses the the taint and... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it used to be useful men. Maybe it was originally a way for two channelers to bond to each other and increase their power between them Mm. and it was never intended to be right that's like a a form of linking yeah Mm. 
that's that's kind of what I'm getting because it says a woman, not necessarily a woman who can channel. If you have a woman who can't touch the source, then if you know they have the collar and the uh, and the 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 bracelet is worn by someone who can channel, maybe that is a way that you know it builds a bicycle built for two kind of thing. Like it could allow the non-channeling person to channel through the connection. Interesting. You know, kind of like, kind of like the reverse of the feeling that we were talking about with the Demone and you know the uh, the ah, what's the name? I like overseers. There's, that's that's pretty appropriate. You know, like is she getting some sort of vicarious feeling through it when it's attached to a channeler? It's like, maybe it should be the other way around. It's also possible that, you know, we know that, that Dark Friends have been operating in the Tower Library. It's also possible that they stole all the documentation on how to, you know, bake Tangrials, and they've been building them for Ishamayel to use. Like, I don't think we know enough about them yet to figure out if they ever have right. any other purpose. Yeah, there's there's definitely a different purpose than they're being used for, sort of like the arches. The fact that one of them is designed to go around a neck and the other one around a wrist, though, that kind of says nefarious purposes, because that's yeah, like that that's a yoinking somebody around thing. It's you know, there's yeah, if, no if, if there was some level of of equalness, then it would mm -hmm. be like two bracelets or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Holding hands instead of a leash. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, very much. It's a leash. So that kind of does mm -hmm. speak to it being, it's for slavery. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And as we said, the power surge uh, alerted the Suldam in the area, and uh, Rima says, okay, you guys need to hide, and here are, here are my the rings that I collected, and here is my ring, because I'm not going to survive this. So and all the townspeople to... are like, we oh, are they getting out of Dodge. Fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, so you, <laughs> so this happens regularly. <laughs> like nobody yeah. hesitated. Like, and nobody questioned. Like I, I was watching different people during the scene, and some people actually didn't know who, like, what was happening. They just saw other folks run, and they were like, "We got to run too." Like I was like, "This is whoever was in the writers' room for this yeah. episode is very black," because like that is a classic like <laughs> black joke. Like if you see other black people run, you don't ask questions; you just run. <laughs> you go, <Yeah. laughs> just leave. Um. So our scene changes, and we see uh, Rena, um, forcing Egwene to try to pour water again. Um, and that's when uh, we see Rima and Bassam come out into the street and start fighting these the Sean Chan soldiers, as as we were saying. It, it just keeps switching back and forth between them. So there's a there's a definite there's a parallel happening here. You know the breaking of of Egwene as a Demane and the breaking that the Aes Sedai does. Oh my Lord, Rock. Jeez. I loved the depiction of her channeling because it's like she is a yellow, she is a healer, and her attacks are all a reversal of her healing moves. So, like, she burns people, she breaks bones. It's all very biological. Yeah, I, um, you know, I've been thinking, like, over the last two years, like, how do different 
one, how do different Ajas fight if they would fight differently? Like, are you trained specific to your Aja or are you trained in a general blanket way and then you adopt it however you need it? And I've also been wondering why the hell, like, would a yellow have a water? <laughs> like, that, like, that's been following me until this episode. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, Makes sense. Like, I figured everybody is trained to fight regardless of whether they're green, blue, red or not. Like, I actually, I love that, too. Like, she actually doesn't attack directly the way we've seen Moraine, the way we've seen Alana, the way we've seen Leandrin. Like, her attacks have a distinct remove from, from like, her target, except for it's very clear that she is attacking somebody. And I, yeah. I just love that detail. I loved it. I love the way that Rima and Basan fought together like I, I love her giving him the little wink at the beginning i love that point where he does the turn in front of her they make eye contact yeah yeah and, and they don't just make eye contact you you can see like there is a love that is being conveyed in that eye contact. and there's a weave that's going around him embracing yeah him too it was like a dance um yes it was mm -hmm. very like sensual and romantic even and uh, in, in the cell with Renna and Egwene, Renna picks Egwene up and hangs her from the hook on the wall that, that she hangs her bracelet from. And pretty much explains to Egwene the, thing, the way things are. You're not a human being. You're not even a woman. You are what I say you are, and your world does not exist beyond what I tell you. That is... Whew. Yeah, that fucked me up. That's hard to it, watch. Like you can never hurt me. You will never leave me. It's like, oh, yikes! Like strong words for someone, for someone who's gonna be killed by the narrative soon. Um, <laughs> for someone who can't channel. Yeah, yeah that too. Um, I mean, that's just blanket for this entire this entire country. Oh, sorry, that's my stomach. Um, <laughs> 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 my bad. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so, Rena, one of the first things she says in this episode when we meet her is that, you know, like, you can't hurt me. E it'll only hurt yourself even to death. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like, how how fast and loose do you guys play with channelers' lives? Um, I mean, the valuable, they're valuable rare resources, but at the same time, they've got to know their place, right? Right. And... Which is a very slave society mindset. Like you value slaves just enough to keep them alive just enough. But that does not mean you value them because they're people or human. You value them for what they can do for you, what they can give. And so it's like Rena knows that she can't kill Egwene. Like I think there's something like in typical overseer sense where if shit goes wrong with the enslaved that directly affects the overseer. So I think Renna's also some probably getting in trouble behind the scenes for not breaking, for not taming Egwene the way she's supposed to be. Um, and for this taking so long, like you don't, you don't want this resource. And I hate these, these terms that I'm using, like this resource to go to waste. So Egwene's, Egwene's going to live. There's nothing Renna can do or would do that would genuinely kill her. And yet it's like, hmm, what, like, would you would line. you guys kill a channeler knowing 
what you need them for. And I mean, the answer as an American is yes, you absolutely would. Um, but like exactly, exactly where's, where's that line? I mean, I don't want to know what that line is, but where's the line? Uh, it's it's going to be, an, it's the value of the resource, right? It's it's very much, when is a thing too broken for you to keep it? Um, so, uh, you know, and that's going to be proportional to the power of the channeler, right? Like, Egwene is probably like a $200,000 horse. Well, well $200,000 dog. You know, um, your regular run-of-the-mill one's probably like, you know, 10000 I don't know, maybe you know, maybe two years worth of income because they are high, they are high value things. They're definitely worth way more than a human, right? Like I think comparing them to how we treat horses is a good analogy. Well, you know, livestock because those things, because those things can do things that normal people can't, right? right. Um. Yeah, but also with with like racehorses, it's like a horse is no good if you push it so far it breaks its leg. Then it's yeah, yeah. but that's because they can't heal then them. It's destroyed, you know. Yeah, but it, right. This is and, a, a incredibly yeah. powerful yeah. channeler who belongs to. She's been given to Turok, yeah. so she is a high level channel, a very powerful channeler who belongs to the big boss in this location. So I would think that actually killing her would get run into a lot of trouble but whatever it takes to break her is completely acceptable as long as she doesn't actually cross that line mm -hmm. um one thing i want to note i want to point out about this scene it it occurred to me while watching it um i don't think her picking her up and hanging her from that hook was was just casually done i think oh no it was very much on purpose i mean you've already got the enslaved narrative happening here and all of that and then she is hanging there choking to death that was a lynching and i mean we know that lynchings were often done just for sport like it like a lot of lynchings in the white psyche were like payback revenge like this is your just punishment but a lot of the times it was just for fun Justice, because you could right. And, you know, it was a community event, you know, people treated bodies like something you can you can give as a souvenir. You know, there are postcards for it. And like the way Renna is speaking to Egwene during the scene while she's hanging her was incredibly reminiscent of that. Like it was. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely intentional on Renna's part and also meta in the meta narrative where it's like this is this is because you can run and can do this and will do this like to break a game but also just for fun and it exists as a form of social control like the possibility that lynching exists and is accepted as a form of social control over the over the community at large so like the fact that soldan can do absolutely anything through their demone means the demone don't fight back And uh, back to the scene with Rima and Bassan. Um, Rima asks Bassan to kill her because she doesn't want to be taken. She does not want to be enslaved. And he hesitates because I can understand why he hesitates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. 
And unfortunately, he hesitated just long enough for the Soldam to kill him. And that's when you can see Rima, you, you can see that, that loss of the bond that we've seen before. You can see that in Rima's face, and you can see that she just loses it. And that's when she starts wringing the soul down out like a rag doll. Loved and, it. Oh, that was... Hold it her. <laughs> and yeah. the, the thing that I thought about when I was watching this scene is, remember what we learned about the Demane and the Soldom, what the Soldom feels. Mm. Yeah, you actually see that both these uh, Soldani that um, that are injured, one with the burns, and then and then mm. the new one with the breaking. You see their Demanes bend over, like clutching yeah, themselves right. or in pain. Yeah, and and her Demane fall, falls down dead as she Instantly. does too. Yeah, she um, she didn't. Yeah, she didn't get twisted up like she did but if we think about it she felt all that twice as hard as the person who was actually getting wadded up and rima rima intentionally targeted the overseer like obviously she knows Mm -hmm. like or maybe she doesn't but i feel like she does like she knew that the enslaved person go after the the channeler was going to feel it twice over and she's like even with that, I don't she... think that Rima knows that because that's something that that Rena told to Egwene. I don't think there's any way that Rima would necessarily know that, like the, a trade the secret, Demane feel it. Okay, yeah, but, but she yeah, definitely like, knows the Saldani are the ones in charge. Yeah, like, and I, I I appreciated that. Like, like you, like Rima was like knows that these are enslaved women. Like, regardless of like them being like them being under the power of this imperialist of this enslaving country like they're it's not their fault and so you like just because you're attacking me does not mean that you're still not kin on some like basic level and so you don't attack the people yes they're attacking you but it's it's not them it's not them attacking you so you go you go to the source and i really like that like just like being in political and activist circles that comes up a lot in like just intra community. And so, you know, like, oh, remember who the real enemy is. Like, I, I really like that. I would like to think that even if Rima knew that killing the Soldam was going to kill the Damane, I believe she would still go through with it because she probably believes it's better to be dead than to be a Damane. As, I mean, obviously, yeah. because she yeah. asked her her warder to kill her rather than become a demonic. Mercy killing of sorts. Better to yeah. die on your feet than live on your knees. Um. So Rima is collared. Um. Egwene pours the water, which is, God, I didn't think that would be such a hard sentence to say, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was it was the the that final break. Yeah. For both of them. I I genuinely have tears in my eyes right now just thinking about it it was it was intense we we discover that my gone is in fact the person in the next cell over and she says you're, you're strong you lasted longer than i did and i was a sitter for the blue and i noticed megan has a bed you know she like her cell looks more like a bedroom than a cell um, oh yeah, and I was point. like, "This is a really sick form of like psychological torture, where like you're 
you are very clearly internalizing on some level, somewhere on the spectrum, that you are not a person, that you are stripped of all humanity. And as a reward, you get the markings of it. Like, that. oh, that was fucked up. <laughs> oh, so that was good and heavy. Anybody have any more thoughts that they need to get out before they rot in your head? I have one that 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 came to me uh with you know talking about the vows and the uh and the quindiar the unbreakable stuff that's always showing up as broken um and knowing that Robert Jordan was a Vietnam vet that may have a lot to do with his uh his vision of America you know the US was you know undefeated quote unquote in wars until Vietnam. So it's like the unbreakable thing. Has we'll go broken. ahead and ignore Korea. Yeah, yeah that's, that wasn't a loss. That was a, that was a, that, that was, was a draw. Mate. Oh. It still so, isn't over. Yeah, that's true. It was, <laughs> oh, it's, you know, there's just, I it's just, just yeah. Yeah. yeah, it hasn't ended. So that doesn't count. Um, and having the, and having a capital burnt down doesn't count either. Yeah. Right. Um, Canadian would say that, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, could you guys do that no, again? That would be awesome. I'd love to. But the thing is, is that it wasn't Canadians that did it. Like, the, 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 the reality is even cooler. It was, it was the colonial marines, which were... Um, it was a, a, a British navy basically set up shop just outside the borders of the u.s and whenever um escaped black slaves showed up said hey would you like to go and would you like to join our army we'll pay you and then you can go and beat up americans and oh, so hey, I like the people that, yeah the people that burnt yeah. down the white house etc were mostly freed slaves i mean listen whoever's cutting the check okay Right? Yeah. I can do that and I'll get paid. It's a win win. I remember reading that there was a reference in either your um in like in I think in the national in your national anthem where like the second or third verse refers to it and is really hostile, Mm -hmm. which makes a lot more sense when you think about it as on top of the oh my god, you burned our capital, it's also racist. Right? It's like black yeah. people burn down our capital. <laughs> That's why we don't yeah. do the second yeah. or third ones. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it right. might be too inspirational for certain for certain demographics. <laughs> yeah. This is true. This is very true. But yeah, anyway, uh, the that's sort of what I what what I kind of that just hit me while we were talking about this, the unbreakable stuff that is broken. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's that could be America for him. And that's probably enough for this episode. Oh man, that was a long, hard episode. Yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, if you would, Greg, please take us out. Let's see if we can make this a little more lighthearted. Thank you, Michael and Jen at the Watch Party Secret Island headquarters. Thank you, Michael, Thank you, Michael and Jen. Thank you, Michael and Jen. Oh, there's Lowell.
All right. They are a home of us and our sister podcast, Watch Party Game and Watch Party Lord of the Rings and a Watch Party of Ice and Fire. Please rate and review us at iTunes or wherever you happen to get this podcast from, the purveyor of choice. You can email us at whatwatchparty at gmail.com. You can get the links to all our socials at whatwatchparty.com. Talk to us. Let us know. Send us mail. Join us on Discord, Twitter. I refuse to call it X, etc. <laughs> and now it's time sure. for our final question. And our final question coming to us once again from Jay in the chat. Jay, big on get, getting us some good final questions. Thank you for that, Jay. This is a fun one. Pick a character from the series and uh, decide what kind of sandwich you think they would prefer. What are they ordering when they go get a sandwich? So Matt eats Scooby-Doo and Shaggy-style sandwiches. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Total Dagwoods, yeah. yeah. Child Falda always orders Orlaton on wheat with light mustard. <laughs> Parents into brisket. Uh, I can see it. Yeah. 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 Rare. Yeah, rare rare brisket. Yeah. He, wants, he wants the cow. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just put two pieces of bread on a cow. There you go. Yeah. Swan kicks it old school, so she eats fried catfish sandwiches on white bread with some hot sauce. Like that's how her dad. Oh, yeah. That's there how her go. dad made yeah. it, and that's how Bat- she's gonna eat it for life. Shout out to her roots. catfish po' boy. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yep. Oh, uh, Leandrin. She doesn't know it yet. She hasn't received yet, but she has definitely ordered a shit sandwich. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just hasn't arrived yet. Do knuckle so. sandwiches count? Because <laughs> I'm the list. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with our our boy Uno, and I'm gonna say that uh, Uno probably like, likes a nice big meatball sub, and then he likes to follow it up with a big old ice cream cone. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon.